If you watch the movie Mining for God, some people have a crazy idea what the Christian worldview is all about. We're going to deal with this, but would you be able to answer that question if somebody were to ask you what Christianity is all about from a worldview perspective? Join us on the Real Issue podcast as we engage those questions and a whole lot more. tell you it has been one crazy week with everything that's been going on in the state of Virginia and even like the last couple weeks last week we we talked to you about the pro-life and what it meant to be pro-life actually no what it, uh, what does defending the faith have to do with the previous week was the um, pro-life show we did but um, I'll tell you something with everything that's going on in our culture today you and I are looking at a culture war like we have not seen in, say, the last 20, 30 years. Everything is wrapping up. You have gender confusion. You have sexual behavior confusion or dysphoria. You have this whole issue on the life issue. You've got uh, gender bending, which is gender confusion. I think I just mentioned that. You've got uh, the whole challenge to marriage and family that's going on. If there is not a time like now for us to be able to communicate what it means to have a worldview that is sound, and there is nothing sounder than the biblical Christian worldview. Uh, this uh, this morning we had just gotten finished. I had uh, was talking with a few uh, church members, and uh, we were talking about this. As far as uh, some of us might have some times where you and I go through, and uh, we kind of wonder whether or not Christianity is really what it's all cracked up to be. And we might be asking ourselves, you know, God, where are you? Have you not uh, spoken? Uh, have you not called me to do what I'm doing? And, um, you know, some of us, you know, I'll be 39 years in the Lord this July. And even I asked those questions. I've been asking those questions not too long ago. But I am convinced that what you and I have as Christians, if we really understand the Christian worldview, it is head and shoulders above all the other worldviews out there. I'm not going to get into a full-blown worldview study. All I'm going to do is just deal with the Christian worldview as it is. And I want to let you know, if you are on the skeptical side and you're listening, uh, I'm going to let you know, first and foremost, that I am not Westboro Baptist Church. We don't endorse that uh, group. Uh, I believe that they're a Christian cult. 
And um, one of the things that uh, we need to understand is that uh, the Christian worldview is wrapped up with agape love, which is the unconditional self-sacrificing love of Jesus Christ. But there are a set of presuppositions and set of pre uh, uh, principles that we have uh, that, um, for lack of a better way, line up with all of reality. Now, what I want to do is I just want to remind us first and foremost of what a worldview is, and that is a set of beliefs used to understand the world. That's pretty simplistic, but as, as everyone has a worldview, everyone has a set of principles by which to judge right and wrong, so to speak, and it guides us in our everyday living. It guides you. You know, you go to a, uh, you stop at a red light, you're driving your car, you, you come to a red light, most people, uh, about 95% of the people will stop, uh, and, and you go at the green light. You leave a tip with a waiter or a waitress, you try to and color coordinate your clothes, you voice your order of food uh, into a speaker box while you're sitting at a, at a drive-up uh, restaurant in your car, you cast a vote even for a political leader. Why do you do these things? Why do we do um, such things? It's because you and I are accustomed to doing them in a manner that is consistent with what you and I believe. Well, this is what we mean by when we talk about when we operate according to um, a set of beliefs or we are doing things accustomed to doing them in a manner that is consistent with what we believe. This is what we call living out our worldview. Now, yours and my worldview forms the basis of how you and I interpret reality. Your worldview is a lens through which you look at the world. Your worldview shapes your moral opinions. It also affects what you believe about God marriage, politics, social structures, environmental concerns, educational requirements, economics, raising the, uh, the raising of children, what kind of foods to eat as well. It also affects everything because all of that which is around you and I and all of that which you and I interact with must be interpreted and must be understood in light of our worldview. And that's basically what we're talking about when we talk about a worldview. Now, uh, according to the Barna Institute, uh, Barna uh, did a study uh, not too long ago about half of all adults, 54% roughly, claim that they make their moral choices on the basis of specific principles or standards in which they believe. Other common means of making moral choices include doing what feels right or comfortable, that was 24%, doing whatever makes the most people happy or causes the least conflict, that was 9%. Wow, 9% are people pleasers. That's, I don't know if that's good or bad. Anyway, uh, also, lastly, pursuing whatever pro, uh, produces the most positive outcomes for the person, that's pretty pragmatic, wouldn't you say? What, but, you know, if you had to think about these categories, why would there be differences? Well, that's because people have different worldviews. They have different opinions in, about uh, God, man, purpose of life, 
uh, life itself, <laughs> especially with the abortion issue going on around the country, um, and then right and wrong. Now, all worldviews can be answered based on basically four um, or more philosophical worldview questions. I like to narrow it down to three with origin, meaning, morality, and destiny, but there's others as well that I can bring in here. Um, first and foremost, where do we come from? That's the question of origin. Uh, why are we here? That's the question of meaning. What is the purpose for our life, in other words? Is there a God and what does he want? That's dealing with relationship and, and dealing with our purpose as well because, you see, if God exists, there must be something between the creator and the creation that might bring, bring purpose and meaning. So that's the question of purpose and relationship. The question of uh, where am I going uh, when I die or what happens when we die is the question of destiny. Uh, did we evolve or are, were we created? That falls along the line of even origin. That's kind of like a, a sub-question to the question of origin, like where did we come from? And then what is the origin of right and wrong or where do right and wrong come from? Is morality absolute or relative? Uh, or some people would say is uh, morality, uh, instead of saying relative, they would say, well, is it subjective? Now, when you answer these questions... Uh, answering these questions forms the most basic elements of our worldview. Now, once these questions are answered, uh, one is able to better form answers to another set of questions that are related to the society. Now, uh, I'm going to rattle these questions off, and then you could um, uh, think about these and uh, see how they line up with your worldview. Uh, some people might go and say, well, you know, hey, uh, Rob, do you think Christianity, I mean, um, do you think Christianity condones homosexuality or is it a sin or an alternative lifestyle? Well, what about abortion? Uh, is abortion wrong or is it a, women, a woman's right? Is it a matter of women's rights? Um, that was two weeks ago, if you want to um, go on that one. Um, should capital punishment be allowed or disallowed? <clears throat> where should more energy be directed protecting the seals or, and whales or cutting down trees to build homes? Uh, another question that has come up, uh, uh, should people be drafted for the military? Or would you vote, uh, which political party would you vote for? For example, Republican, Democrat, nonpartisan or whatever, or something else or nothing at all. You know, those are, those are questions. And one related to politics and, and political economic theory, do you think that democracy is better than communism or socialism? There's not much difference between communism and socialism other than just two thinkers. Uh, one is a moral question. Should prostitution be legitimate, uh, be a legitimate business practice? Should we legalize marijuana? We're seeing uh, certain states having the crime rate raised as a result of legalizing marijuana because they don't know how to handle it. I'm not saying that it should be legalized when I make that last part of my statement, but um, I don't think, um, well, my thought is I don't think it should be. You know, question of medical, the whole medical thing, but should marriage be defined as occurring between a man, one man and one woman? 
You know, all these are worldview questions that are from the from the side of how should we then live? Uh, how should we then live out our lives? And, and, and our worldview is a reflection or is reflected in how we answer those questions. Which means that a worldview affects behavior and beliefs. When you behave accordingly to what you believe, some people don't. You know, you, most of the time, I think it's pretty sensible to behave according to what we believe and not what we believe. I don't think somebody's going to say, well, I don't... I, I guess with relevancy to the, the, the current issue about abortion, if I told you that I am pro-life and that I think abortion is okay, which I don't, but let's just say for the sake of the illustration and the argument, you know, when we talk about living out, uh, living or behaving according to what we believe, I could tell you I'm pro-life, but if I told you that it was okay to have the abortion, you'd think there would be something inconsistent, and indeed there would be. There would be something inconsistent with that, uh, because I believe life, in, because I believe uh, life begins at conception, and uh, sets up shop for uh, 40 weeks or a little bit longer at the max. My daughter was born to, uh, 28 weeks, three days, and with a crash C-section. But, you know, I can recall having conversations with atheists who say that they had a lack of belief in God. They don't believe or disbelieve in God. They just have a lack of belief in it. Yet, I, when I defend the Bible as being true, or the Christian God as uh, the only God, uh, they are quick to attack my arguments in order to disprove God's existence. So I tell them that they are believe, behaving according to, to, according to what they believe, not what they don't believe, and that it is inconsistent to say that you lack belief in something and then behave as though you deny the existence of that very same something. You know, there's no getting around that. And of course, I believe different worldviews or worldviews affect behavior, whether or not someone uh, like, you, you know, you or I are aware of it. You know, you know we're going to live according to what we believe. Now, since I've already mentioned atheism, let's take a look at that perspective for just a moment. How would an atheist answer the philosophical questions? How did we get here? Well, an atheist would probably say that we evolved from uh, lower primates. Of course, they would deny that God exists, and he would probably say that after um, he would probably say that after we die, we cease to exist. Since there is no absolute God, morals would not be absolute in that case. Instead, they would be based on personal preference and whatever works in a society. Not too long ago, we had a salesperson where I work uh, tell me that morals were relative. I just looked at him and I said, do you lock your doors at night? This kid was a Gen Z. And uh, I just looked at him. I said, do you lock your doors at night? Just taking a page from my mentor, Ravi Zacharias. And, and he just looked at me and he said, man, you just shot my whole day. I don't know how to answer that. I said, you just told me morals are relative. You know, why do you lock your doors at night? Of course you would lock your doors at night because 
you're not too sure if anybody would come walking in, in your house and end your existence or steal your your library or your money or whatever, anything precious to you. Of course you lock it. A lot of bad things happen at night. But you know, for the Christian worldview, a Christian, on the other hand, would answer these questions totally differently. A Christian would say that God created us and put us in the world with a purpose. The purpose is to bring glory to God, to know him, to make him known, and to exercise proper and responsible dominion over the creation. A Christian would say that when we die, we either end up in heaven or hell. Uh, if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior and made him Lord of your life, you're going to the former heaven. But if you reject him, God's a gentleman. He'll let you go where you want to go, and you're definitely not a Christian. But of course, a Christian would deny that we got here by, by way of uh, macroevolution, I guess you could say, and that, we, and that we would also deny that morals are subjective. We're going to go to a commercial just, uh, in just a moment, but I want you to think about those things. And then what we're going to do, uh, if you have any questions about uh, the Christian worldview, we're going to dispel those answers. Uh, we're going to give you those answers as far as what we believe as Christians, and that um, that hopefully that'll help you understand uh, that Christianity is something worth thinking about. Now, I'm not of this persuasion that because I say something, I'm expecting you to believe it. I don't do that. If you're a skeptic and you're listening to our show, first off, thank you for listening. But if you're a Christian, I want you to think about these as far as how we would uh, communicate them. And I'm going to communicate these in the next part of our show. So we'll be right back in just a moment after these two commercials. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. Apologist. We interview the world's leading apologists to provide credible answers to curious questions. Frank, is same-sex marriage wrong apart from the Bible? Apart from what the Bible says, yes, I think you can make a very good argument that it's not a good idea to support same-sex mar marriage regardless of what the Bible says. And I think the first thing you need to point out is you need to ask people who support same-sex marriage, what is the purpose for which the government is involved in marriage at all? It's not because two people love one another. Well, you know, when you go for a marriage license, they don't ask you, do you love the guy or the gal or whatever? The reason the state is involved in marriage is to perpetuate and stabilize society. That's the reason. I mean, we love all sorts of people in our lives and we don't call those relationships marriage or the government doesn't call those relationships marriage. The only reason the government says that marriage between a man and a woman is going to be considered marriage is because it brings great benefits to society and particularly children. It perpetuates and stabilizes society. Here's the fundamental problem. If you equate same-sex relationships with opposite-sex relationships and call them marriage, what you're doing is you're telling society that marriage has nothing to do with children because gender is irrelevant to marriage at that point. You see, where same-sex marriage is put into place, you don't have two types of marriage. You don't have same-sex marriage and natural marriage. You just have genderless marriage. And so marriage is seen by society as something that has nothing to do with children. And when marriage has nothing to do with children, there's no institution in society to protect children. That's the ultimate problem, Bobby. And the problem is, becomes a, a, a bigger issue when you consider that the law is a great teacher. 
Many people think whatever is legal is moral and whatever is illegal is immoral. So if you teach people that heterosexual and homosexual relationships are equally the same in terms of marriage, then you're teaching them that marriage is just about coupling. It's just about the romantic desires of adults. And so when that happens, society has lost the fundamental brick in the foundation of civilization. The fundamental brick is the biological two-parent family. If society does not say that's the special relationship, mm -hmm. then society is ultimately going to crumble. When the bricks of a, of a building begin to crumble at its foundation, the whole building comes down. Welcome to the One Minute Apologist. One Minute Apologist. If you had one minute Apologia. to be able to unpack for the audience, Apologetics seeks to give credible answers to curious questions, to give a defense. Is abortion sin? The greatest war in our culture today is taking place in the womb. In fact, more casualties have taken place in the womb than any other location in human history. Since Roe v. Wade was passed in 1973, there has been a staggering 50 million abortions in America alone. No doubt abortion is one of those hot button issues of our time, but we need more voices for the voiceless. Just because something is legal doesn't make it legit. Some plead abortion is necessary for the mother's health or for rape cases, but rape cases only make up 1% of all total abortions, and a woman's health is the case only 3% of the time. This means that 96% of all abortions simply take place because the father or mother isn't ready for the child. So why is abortion justifiably wrong? First, because all human beings, either in the womb or outside the womb, are created in God's image. This means we are to value all life equally, be it life in the womb or deform life outside the womb. Scott Klusendorf explains through the use of the acrostic sled the difference between a newborn and a preborn. He describes it this way, size, level of development, environment, or degree of dependency. Secondly, abortion is wrong because it breaks the sixth commandment. The Bible says, you shall not murder in Exodus 20:13. Amazingly, even in our culture, if a person murders a pregnant person, they can be tried for double murder. Why is it considered murder if it wasn't the mother, but if it's the mother, it's simply called her choice? Furthermore, many women and men have experienced the hurt of abortion and have undergone tremendous emotional, spiritual, and physical health problems due to the trauma. Thankfully, if you have been a prisoner of your own guilt due to abortion, the gospel provides a grace-based solution. At the cross, we can all drink from the well of God's unconditional forgiveness.
Oh my goodness. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about when I was ending that first block was the fact I mentioned that God was a gentleman. I want to let you know what I mean by that. You know, think of it this way. If an atheist doesn't want God now, what makes us think that he will want to be in the presence of God in eternity? So the choice is the fact that the, C.S. Lewis put it this way. He said there's two kinds of people. There are those who say, thy will be done, referring to God. And then there are those who say, my will be done. And God will give you your wish. That's what that meant. That's what I was getting at. Uh, also, I uh, want to let you know uh, those commercials. I, I We picked those. Um, my my uh, production team, if you will, picked those because of those being two hot buttons. Uh, and the one-minute one apologist, Bobby Conway, uh, had spoken to those. And he's had other people speak uh, on those issues as well. So uh, be in prayer for uh, Bobby. Uh, they've moved out to California. Uh, he's going out there to uh, be on faculty at Calvary Chapel Bible College out there and then also uh, expand the horizons of the One Minute Apologist. So uh, we're going and putting a pitch out there. Bobby, uh, we hope you uh, made it out there safe and sound. Looks like you did from the Facebook pictures anyway. So uh, back to this whole thing about the elements of a, of a Christian worldview. You know, the, having a worldview is very, very important, and everybody has a worldview. But I want to give you the, the elements of a Christian worldview. And this is what this segment's going to be about here, and then we'll wrap it up. This is, by, oh, by the way, we are recording this on Super Bowl Sunday, so I will not tell you who I am rooting for because you, you just— uh, I really haven't had a, a uh, an interest in the NFL until really playoff time this year. And uh, if you if you hear me dropping R's, I think you'll know where I'm from. But if you go and you research me on Facebook, you'll definitely figure out where I'm from. And I used to live 20 minutes from the stadium. So let's get back on track here. <laughs> First off, Christianity teaches a set of beliefs that form the basics of our worldview. When we talk about our worldview, it's a, uh, it has you know the question of does God exist? Uh, is the did God create the universe? Man created in God's image, and if man is created in God's image, then people are worthy of respect and honor. And I'll even go into a little bit further than that. So let me get to these. And first off, by saying this, that an absolute God, we believe as Christians that an absolute God does exist. If an absolute God exists, then it means that God is self-sufficient, that God lacks nothing. And if God is self-sufficient and lacks nothing, then he needs no external cause for his existence. I like to say it this way. He's the only entity in existence, the reason for whose existence is in himself. He's necessary being. And this would mean that he is eternal. And if he's eternal, then God does not change, despite the fact that we fickle Christians might think that uh, he changes. The next, uh, next one, the whole question of God creating the universe, we believe the, that God created the universe, that he's all-powerful. And since it, is obviously, since it obviously takes a great deal of power to create the universe that we're in, he's definitely all-powerful. This would mean that God is separate from the creation, he's apart from the universe, and not a part of the created order. 
from the previous point uh, where we see that God is absolute and unchanging, we can also say that God's nature would be reflected in the created order. It would be like thinking of a painter uh, leaving a part of himself on the canvas so that God reveals himself in creation. We read in Psalm 19, verse 1, that God, uh, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament of his hands. You know, when we think of that, from think of it from a painter leaving uh, a part of himself on the canvas, it's a reflection. So God reveals himself in creation. Creation is therefore ordered. It, it, is, it is predictable and dependable. It's dependent upon God. And this would mean that when Christians look into the creation, they would expect to find a predictable, regular, testable world. And of course, this is where we're not afraid of science either. You know, we're not afraid of science when it comes to that. Man is created in God's image, and this means that God, who is a rational, intelligent being, has impressed his image upon the hearts and soul of human beings. Notice that it is not the exterior, but on the hearts and soul, heart and soul of human beings. Therefore, people can be rational and turn their attention toward the world, and since they believe that the universe reflects God's creative nature, they can have confidence to look in the creation expected and, and expect order. They can also expect that since they are made in the image of God, they have the ability or abilities to unlock the secrets of the universe. So if man is also created in the image of God, then people are worthy of respect and honor, and they have intrinsic value. It doesn't matter what color they are or what ethnicity they are, I guess you could say. They, every person, every person that we speak to in this ministry, if you're going to come alongside with us in our ministry and be a partner with us in ministry, maybe in at an event, we would expect you as a uh, representative of this ministry to, exp uh, to hold to the fact that a person has intrinsic value created uniquely by God, and God loves them, and we need to reflect the love of Jesus. And this is where we get into this part where if we were created in God's image, then he did, we did not evolve from lower primates. We did not evolve from lower primates. This would mean that we would have purpose and not merely the result of random development through evolution guided by, say, natural selection. Now, what do we mean by natural selection? Natural selection works on the theory of the survival of the fittest, and this could have a very harmful effect on society today if survival of the fittest is transferred to, into a moral principle. And I believe the abortion industry has um, gone and done this, tried to create a moral principle uh, using... Uh, the I'm, I'm using a lot of us here because I'm trying to think. Uh, have you ever heard of eugenics? In a Darwinian worldview, there is no intrinsic value of humanity. And that certain ethnicities, according to those on the guide, guiding principles of eugenics, are seen as lesser human beings and should not be allowed to exist in our culture. Now think about it from the perspective of, of, gen of um, uh, abortion, the abortion industry. Ralph Northam is and, and Delegate Tran are 
proponents of allowing a baby to be born and then having a decision between physician or practitioner and the mother to determine whether or not the baby should live. So it's called the it's it's called a potential born alive abortion. See, if you go and you eradicate a human being after they've come out of the womb, they're no longer considered a genuine human being. This is a little bit of a reflection of a eugenics movement that is going on in our culture. You know, when I talked about man having dominion over the culture, over over creation, it does not pertain to having dominion over another human being. But what I mean here is the fact that man is given dominion over creation by God. And what this means is that all aspects of the created order on earth are governed by man according to how God has revealed himself and his will for us in Scripture. Therefore, things like politics, medicine, art, ecology, society, economics, exploration, philosophy, math, education, etc., all fall under the domain of human responsibility and should be considered realms for a man to control under the wisdom and direction of God's revelation known as the Bible. There'll be more on that in just a moment. You know, when we think about our society and where it's heading, the Bible's thrown out. Yes, it's thrown out, other than in church. But you know, if you carried a biblical worldview into politics, medicine, art, ecology, society, economics, etc., you can see the reflection of the image of God in those disciplines. But it, because we don't see that, we see this next characteristic of the Christian worldview, the fact that mankind has fallen. The fall of man through our ancient parent, Adam tells us that the very heart of every one of us is a predisposition toward rebelling, transgressing, being having an iniquity uh, like nature against God. You know, sin itself is a rebellion against God and is therefore uh, a rebellion against what is good. Sin has not only affected man's soul and body, but it has also affected his mind. Therefore, the Christian worldview would say that even man's best reasoning is touched by sin and cannot be perfect. And furthermore, since man is sinful and his heart's intentions are predisposed toward wickedness, we must conclude that those in the power are highly those who are in power are highly susceptible to corruption. We don't have to look too far on both sides of the aisle. Therefore, governmental systems should be developed with Christian principles in mind to help guard against that type of corruption. In fact, Christianity influenced the development of the Constitution and American government, including the Declaration of Independence. And our founding fathers developed the judicial, executive, and legislative branches of government in which there are, in which they are they were to exercise a system of checks and balances over each other. Why is the checks and balances needed? It's because of the fall of man. It's because the fall of man has a tendency to gravitate, gravitate, yeah, gravitate, gravitate towards, towards corruption, which means that you and I need redemption. 
And folks, the Christian worldview gives that. <clears throat> One thing that Islam does not give is hope. They say, believe or else. Off with your head. No. But what you have with a Christian worldview is a savior. You have a hope for redemption. Because we are fallen creatures and that we are in need of rescue from God's righteous condemnation, which is known as eternal damnation, separation from God and a hell that was not created for you and I to go to. Also, since we are fallen, there is no way that you and I can redeem ourselves, And that's what all the religions, all the liturgical religions try to do. It is only through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that you and I can be saved. You and I can be redeemed. You and I can be made righteous. Uh, we can be um, redeemed because of the fact that Jesus Christ died in the flesh shedding his blood on, on the cross for our sins, buried, rose again, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. The basic theological truths. The basic theological truth means that Christians should then preach that good news of redemption in Christ to all the world. And therefore, the most basic principle of Christian principles is this, is promoting Jesus Christ as the only means by which you and I can be made right with God. That's basically Christianity right there, folks. It's not a matter of going and doing all these things, you know, try to please God. You can't. It's it's a lot it's it's surrendering your life to Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. How do we find this out? Well, we find it out by a a set of 66 books uh, a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses that are recording supernatural events that are in direct fulfillment to specific prophecies and the writers claiming that the writings are divine rather than human in origin. I'm talking about the Bible. You and I have already heard that word Bible earlier, but the Bible is inspired. It is without error. And the Bible that we do from the Bible, we derive the truths by which we govern our lives. It is from the Bible that we learn about God himself. We learn about his created order. We learn that he discloses himself as triune. We read about redemption, about sin, salvation, hope, and what is morally correct. The Bible reveals the will of God for mankind, for family, for raising a family, to build societies by raising children, for proper behavior in that society, and it is from the Bible that you and I can learn the direct will of God. We'll probably do a show later on down the road of knowing the will of God, which is pretty interesting. There's a book that came out called Just Do It. It sounds like a Nike commercial, but that is uh, the general gist. We'll talk more about that in a future show. But see, God is intervening, and because he's intervening, he also provides for his creation. It is from the Bible that we learn that God's uh, we learn about God's loving provision, and we know that God lets the sun and the rain fall down upon both the good and the bad, the just and the unjust. And we also know that God causes the crops to grow and the cattle to multiply. It is not some type of pagan deity where we go and 
we pray to one God or for one thing and another God that superintends all the other. No, God's the God of the whole show. And we know that God causes the crops to grow and we know God multiplies the cattle. We also know that we live in a fallen world. But God has promised that he will never leave us or forsake us. And therefore, you and I can rely on God's provision for us. And believe it or not, folks, we should, particularly in these days. You and I should have confidence that he will continue to provide for us and for our needs as things go further down slope. It's not getting easier. But you and I can see that there are basic principles as Christians. And if you're not inside the faith, we want to invite you to come inside the faith so that you can escape the wrath of God. You can email us at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com and we can share more with you on this. But because we have these basic principles that form the Christian worldview, there are more that we could probably say about these things. But we're going to end the show here. But if you do have any questions, you can contact us at realissueapologetics at yahoo.com. If you're listening to us on Anchor FM, please feel free to make a donation to uh, our show. If you are listening to us via iTunes or, or Stitcher, and you would like to make a donation to our ministry, we would appreciate it greatly. Uh, you can go to my website at roblundbergapologetics.com and go to our uh, donate page, and you can see the instructions for that should you feel so led. Thank you for listening. Next week, we'll get back more into the idea of what apologetics is all about. Last week, we talked about why defend the faith. Next week, I think I'll talk a little bit more about apologetics and what it does and what it doesn't do and how it can help. Until next week, this is Rob Lundberg from the Real Issue Apologetics Ministry. Uh, thank you for listening. And as you go out this week, I want you to be his ambassador. Go out and be ready to share the gospel. If you, oh, by the way, if you would like uh, 10 conversation starters, I think that was one of the shows that um, that we had to delete. If it wasn't, you can go back and check that out. But if you would like a PDF of that, I'll be more than happy to send that to you. Ten conversation questions that you, or ten questions that you can use to start a spiritual conversation, so that you can go out and give them heaven. That's what we want you to do this week. Go out, give them heaven. We'll be back with you next week, Lord willing. Lord bless. Until then, this is Rob Lundberg from the Real Issue. Again, go out and give them heaven. 